Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. I'm Thad Hate. Today we're going to, at least for now, round out the Mission Impossible series with Mission Impossible Fallout. You know, we say that, but actually by the time this episode <laughs> is published, there will be another Mission Impossible. There will be. That's true. And we'll go back and do that one. <laughs> yeah. Because we have such a great track record when it comes to releasing things on time. <laughs> hey, At least we're not talking about uh, whether No Time to Die will come out or not. <laughs> yes. Watch the, you know, watch this episode take until the next Bond film comes out, though. Oh, God. If there is one. I mean, there will be because James Bond will return. No Time to Die said James Bond will return. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so this, as of this recording, is the last in the series of Missions Impossible Wait a sec. I'm sorry to before we uh, complete aside. Mm -hmm. Wikipedia says James Culp or says Stephen Culp was in NCIS. Was he did he come back to life? I don't know. Was he Clayton Webb? Uh, the second. That's what I'm, I'm going to have to look because that's absurd. No, nah. he was some other guy on NCIS. Oh, my God. Just playing. So he's the Vaughn Armstrong of the. Jag Cinematic Universe. I guess. <laughs> okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, okay. So, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout was released in 2018, mm -hmm. and it was also, just like the previous film, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. I enjoy, I like that we're telling a continuous story, but I do also sort of miss the episodic nature. I mean, I'm not sure, we'll, and we, when we get to the end of this movie, I'm not quite sure where they're going. I mean, there's some places they could obviously go but uh i mean this movie is an obviously a direct sequel of the last film but i struggled a little bit because you know i had the benefit of having just watched mission impossible rogue nation a couple weeks ago because we're doing the podcast mm -hmm. i don't think i would have recognized solomon lane here in the opening scene if not for having just seen that movie yeah like he looks completely different yeah i would agree with that there's this obviously pretty quickly you realize this is a dream sequence with the wedding between Ethan, sorry, Ethan and uh, Julia here. And the the wedding vows just get weirder and weirder. Then they cut to the, the guy who's doing the ceremony. And like I said, I, I don't think I would recognize Solomon Lane at all. Yeah, probably with not. With that beard and the hair. He does have a he has a distinctive voice, at least. So that I helps. think when he says but, you should have killed me, Ethan, then like you. Yeah, you would know. But yes, just on site, probably not. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it's a it's a dream sequence. So Ethan Hunt wakes up. Uh, we find out we're in Belfast and they don't tell you that Belfast is in Northern Ireland, at least. But I, yeah, I was uh, impressed because I imagine <laughs> there's a lot of people who don't know that. Don't know where Belfast is. I know. Like, that's not quite as obvious as London, England. Right. Yeah. London, Ontario. <laughs> and Ethan gets a package from some guy. And I, I like the low tech aspect of this thing i mean it has a has like a needle that takes a blood sample to get a dna t test or something but i like how low-tech this it's reminiscent of the sort of thing that they would have done in the original show other than the blood sample probably yeah absolutely like a little projector inside a book and we get a massive info dump yep from this recording <laughs> i think i've seen this movie three times in the last maybe month mm-hmm for various reasons, we've been delayed in doing this recording, so I've you know seen it a few times. I'm still not entirely sure what's going on here in this intro. Like they they introduce the syndicate and then say the syndicate's done, but now we're going to do this other thing with the apostles. Mm -hmm. 
who are the remainder of, I guess, the syndicate. Uh, they did a smallpox outbreak that's going to turn out to be Chekhov's smallpox outbreak in Kashmir. And oh, by the way, they stole this plutonium and there's this guy, Del Brook, and this person, John Lark, and all, all like, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I don't remember what it was like, but I imagine it was a lot to take in at this point. Yeah. And part of me wonders if there was, if there's like a four hour cut of this movie out there somewhere because. Like Mission Impossible 2? I don't need four hours of Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> but the amount of ground that they cover in the cold open is enough for a movie. Mm-hmm. From from this to the, the plutonium arms sale to the Delbrook thing is a lot of plot right. to cover before the credits even happen. Yeah, there's a lot that happens. Because we find out that there's these three plutonium cores that are missing and they're going to build. They can build three atomic bombs because this guy Delbrook is a weapons expert and there's somebody named john lark who wrote a manifesto and we hear bits of the manifesto throughout the movie i mean (laughs) they're like your mission is to stop this from happening which is a hell of a mission to be giving somebody (laughs) even if it's ethan at this point yeah it's a lot uh honestly i feel like the first time i watched this movie i sort of glossed over almost all of this (laughs) Mm -hmm. Probably. You just kind of sit back and this is one of those movies where you sit back and just let it wash over you and you don't try to think too hard. Yeah, I like this movie. I don't think I like it as much as I like the previous one, because I think no, I think Rogue Nation's better. There's a lot of plot. It's it's sort of like Skyfall in a way, and that if you think too hard about it, it just doesn't hold up. And there are some moments, especially towards the end, that are just beyond ludicrous <laughs> as far as. Things that happen to various the helicopter stuff people. Yeah, that's that's really where I'm going. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Mission Impossible and the Missions Impossible films are rooted in any sort of reality. But that's just <laughs> another step beyond where the, where the film series has been before then. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a we have a scene where they're trying to exchange plutonium for what exactly are they trying to exchange it for? <laughs> I think money. Yeah, I guess. Because cause at one point he's like, bring the money, and that's when they have Luther captured. And Yep. And the plutonium gets taken. Mm-hmm. We have a nice gunfight here. Yeah. It's it's a it's a well-done scene. I think the lighting is really good in this scene. Yeah, it, it is nice. There, there are scenes later that I don't care for that feel like they were shot by the guy that did uh, Spectre, where it's <laughs> just very yellow. But this is not that part of the movie. Right. So I I think it's worth pausing in general and just pointing out because there's a lot of really great action stuff that happens and some amazing stunts that happen that mostly involve Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note that Tom Cruise is 56 in the making during when this movie was released. So he's older than he's a little older than Sean Connery in Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. Which I will always bring up. And even... You know, when we're lamenting about how old Roger Moore was looking. Mm-hmm. Okay, people don't age like they used to. They That's true. And Tom Tom Cruise definitely looks in, older in this. In the future, we, they, they, we've discovered this thing called skin care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which didn't really exist in the past. True. True. Um, no, it's sort of like how... It's not true for... I mean, everyone ages differently, but... 
it is definitely, especially with actors who, you know, have all of this access to these advanced uh, techniques and procedures to keep them looking younger. Actors mm-hmm. just don't look the age that they used to. But I'm more also thinking about Tom Cruise sus- was suspended from a helicopter at one point. And oh, Tom Cruise is in incredible shape. He is. I wish I was as in shape as Tom Cruise is at 56 when I was 18. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think I was. <laughs> I'm pretty damn sure I, know I was I not. <laughs> so. Oh, I do love in this opening scene how Benji has essentially the same car from Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it He's... seems more plausible in 2018 than it did 20 years before. <laughs> well, he's driving it with a smartphone and not a Nokia right. flip phone. You know, <laughs> It seems more plausible in now than it did yeah. then. Right. But that is probably where they got the idea. Probably. But yeah, they lose the plutonium and we, we cut to a seat. So this works. Like if you think about it after the fact, we cut to a scene of Ethan Hunt doing some serious method acting mm-hmm. where they're playing these news broadcasts about all these bombs having gone off in Jerusalem and Rome and in Mecca. And he's looking very discouraged and upset because they let the plutonium go and and all this stuff. And it turns out this whole thing is fake. Right. But, you know, he's he's getting into character, I guess, and (laughs) going to brood for a while before we go talk to Delbrook in the hospital. Yeah, it works pretty well. I yeah, uh, I will admit I bought the Wolf Blitzer fake fake Wolf Blitzer fake out at first. The first time yes, I watched the movie. Yes, me too. So with the first time I watched this for this recording, I hadn't seen the movie in, you know, two years or three years or whatever. Uh, I had forgotten that it was fake Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely works. And I like this appearance of Wolf Blitzer better than I like the one in, in Skyfall. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I like this. Oh, the... man, do we need to watch the entire Wolf Blitzer cinematic universe now? No, we do not. <laughs> like how many other movies has he been in? I don't know. Well, now I'm I'm looking that up because I have to. Know. <laughs> OK, <laughs> the WBCU. <laughs> IMDb says he's known for Skyfall. Uh, I guess when you're limiting yourself to fiction, maybe. <laughs> uh, he, oh, okay. He was in House of Cards, which makes sense. Yep. Uh, this he was in something called Graves. Okay. Which is about a former president. Apparently, he was in a movie called Money Monster. <laughs> He's in a movie called The Brink, or a TV show called The Brink, which I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Alpha House, which was that. Amazon show about the Republicans sharing a tiny apartment. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, a Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis movie called The Campaign. Hmm. And then a whole bunch of stuff on C- CNN. Okay. So, yeah, the, 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 the WBCU is somewhat extensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, as far as news anchors go, he's Probably the I mean, now that we don't have Dan Rather or any of those type that that generation anymore, he's probably the most recognizable. Yeah. Well, Dan Rather's still alive, isn't he? No, he's still alive, but <laughs> yeah, he's doing like web news and stuff. He's not doing 
evening news. He actually anymore. used to have he a show to... on HDNet. Um... Yeah, that, that's, that's true. He did. Yeah. 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 So uh, the scene when so they, they have not Wolf Blitzer read the manifesto on the news and that's what gets Delbrook to unlock his phone. I don't care that they're hooking it up to a monitor or a computer to strip stuff off the phone. They really needed to get his passcode because if they stepped away for like 30 seconds, the phone might lock again. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love the shot where Ethan stands up and the walls just fall apart around them, which feels like right out of the TV show where they would have this elaborate setup and, and everything. And you know, they're, they're, they're in like a, a movie stage. They're not in the hospital anymore. I would wager to bet that Simon Pegg is taller than Wolf Blitzer. I think so. I was wondering about that, too. Uh, <laughs> I guess when you're sitting down, it doesn't matter. Uh, we get the standard Mission Impossible credits that show clips of the film. I mean, even if I don't think it matters that much anyway, because like it's not like mm-hmm. that guy would know how tall Wolf Blitzer is. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I, I do like when he takes the mask off, but then says in Wolf Blitzer's voice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like how they, they, at one point they introduced the idea of that little throat thing, mm-hmm. that like that microchip thing that changes your yeah, voice. Yeah, that was a couple movies ago at this point, I think. Yeah. Might've been, I think it was mission impossible three. I cause think I think in, cause so. in, cause in four, they didn't have the masks. The thing didn't work. Right. And now we have Alec Baldwin again. Yep. Who is now the head of IMF. Which means he's gonna die. <laughs> he has to. It's the yeah. Well, Lawrence Fishburne didn't die. Oh, that's true. He didn't. Well, neither did Henry Zerny. He's apparently coming back. Right. In the new movies. Yeah. So they don't all die. No. I must just be thinking. It's of, really uh, just that one and this one. <laughs> the guy from the last movie and the, yeah, the and Tom Wilkinson one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cole Wilkinson. No, Tom. Wilkinson, I know. Not Cole Wilkinson. Oh. <laughs> making the joke again. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> your mission should you choose to accept it is to bring him home yeah (laughs) so we get another big info dump from alec baldwin he he sees what he sees what imf is responsible for and he just says what have i done (laughs) yeah become a thief in the night become a dog in the run have i fallen so far as the hours have wait (laughs) (laughs) that nothing remains with a cry in my head (laughs) we should probably stop there (laughs) i think we've seen this show a few times Uh, (laughs) uh but here's where Angela Bassett shows up with Henry Cavill. Yes. And I don't know. Like, it's been I've seen this movie several times. Yep. So I can't remember now. I could remember that if the wolf that the wolf booster fake out worked. I can't remember now if Henry Cavill fooled me ever. But I want to say no. Like, I don't think I knew he was the I don't think I knew he was the mastermind. Right. But I I pretty sure I had a suspicion he was bad from the beginning. Well, because he's such, just such a dick. Yeah. Like from the get go. Mm-hmm. I don't think I thought he was like you. I don't think I thought he was the mastermind like that. He was John Lark. But when they revealed that he was, I was like, oh, of course. Right. It, it didn't surprise me either. I, I think I'm pretty sure I thought he was working for Lark from the beginning. OK. Because, yes, he is a total dick. Man, imagine how short this movie would have been if Tom Cruise had just let him die when he fe- was falling from the... <laughs> yes. That, yeah, that would have been a very short movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little confused. I mean, I guess it's a timing thing that this is how they're trying to go to this party thing. Right. Or the rave or whatever it, whatever it is, because they're going to go meet this 
woman they refer to as the White Widow, who apparently has the plutonium and is going to meet with Lark, right? Yes, that is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, the scene on the plane before they make the jump, like, yep. beyond Henry Cavill being a dick, like, what was his, like, he seems, like, pissed off that that Ethan points out that his, that he's, you know, not, his tank isn't on. Like, why would you be mad about that? Wouldn't you want to not die? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. So I, Henry Cavill, I think it's a lot of crap for being in some really bad Superman movies because he was in some really bad Superman movies. Right. I don't think any of it has, is his fault. And I, and I think he's perfectly fine as an actor. I don't know what he's doing in some of these scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, he, he, he just acts like a dick. Uh, there's that shot where Tom Cruise goes to jump out of the plane and sees all of the lightning and is like, yeah, we can't do this. And he's just like, I don't care. I'm going to go anyway. Yep. And I mean, I do like the line like they. So first of all, the, the skydiving shot is pretty incredible. Yes. Um, I quibble a bit. There's some Moonraker physics going on here <laughs> where he has to like move laterally to catch Walker, which I'm not sure how that works physics wise like can you fall sideways when you're in free fall i and i don't legitimately don't know Uh, i've having never skydived sky Mm -hmm. dove skydive (laughs) sky divin uh i'm pretty sure that one's not right (laughs) having never gone skydiving uh (laughs) i i don't know either i'm also never going to go skydiving because no fuck that yeah, but yes, it, we we've got some point break stuff going on here. Yep, I I do like though. So you know, he Henry Cavill gets struck or close to struck by lightning, and Ethan has to save him. And at one point, his oxygen isn't there or is missing or isn't working. So he gives him his oxygen tank, and then they it's land missing. on the roof. His tank has just disappeared. His ta- yeah. yeah, his tank has disappeared. So they and, and then they both land, and he's like you. You know, you you lost your oxygen tank or something. Right, because like he was passed out. So right when right. So Hunt puts his tank on him, and then and then as he's falling, he wakes up again. Yeah. So yeah, then he's like, "Looks like you lost your tank." It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just so much assholery. Yeah. Which I don't know if there's a word either, but whatever. No. We should point out, since you mentioned it in your notes, that this is the movie that he has the mustache that they had to digitally remove for Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they they did some reshoots for Justice League because it was a shit show. Um, And okay, I shouldn't say that. I've actually never seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I probably never will. um, It's long. It's really (laughs) long, and I haven't liked anything else that Zack Snyder has done in the DC universe. Right. And I didn't really care that much for the theatrical version of Justice League. But his version is better than that one. But that's that's not saying very low bar. No, it wasn't a good movie. No. And Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman was horrible. Man of Steel was horrible. Why should I want to watch four hours of more of that? Yeah. In 4-3 aspect ratio. (laughs) (laughs) To preserve the Zack Snyder's creative vision or whatever they say at the beginning of that movie. (sighs) Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. uh, because they had called, they had they were doing resuits when 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 Zack Snyder had to bow out of Justice League for personal reasons, and they brought in Joss Whedon. He was he did some reshoots and changed some scenes, but Henry Cavill had grown a mustache for this movie, and initially. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie said that he would let him shave if they paid th- the three million dollars it would cost for them to shut down production. But Paramount didn't want to let them do that. So <laughs> in the end, they poorly CGI'd his mustache yes. out. Yes, they did. <laughs> it's laughable. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, it's um slightly similar version. Uh, you know, the uh, after credit scene in the first Avengers when they're mm-hmm. eating shawarma. Yep. Chris Evans has his hand covering most of his face because he had grown a beard for something else. <laughs> they were shooting that scene. Yeah. But, but that was an actually, actually a good movie. And yes, that was, they didn't try to CGI it. Hmm. So Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill and his mustache are, <laughs> infiltrating this gigantic not even a very good mustache no it's no i'm like does he even need that no but it would have looked weird from scene to scene if they had gotten rid of it it it, to me it's the fact that he has a full mustache and like stubble yeah no that's bad that's a bad look pick a lane and stay there yeah go full beard or just the mustache but not Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he has like three days worth of stubble too it's not just like i didn't shave today stubble Oh, no, that's yeah, that's a uh, that's that's intentional. That's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And they go into this bathroom, which this whole scene reminds me of True Lies in a way. Yes. Like this giant fight in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And because I guess the idea is that everyone at this party or at least the VIPs have this. It's a very well lit bathroom. It is. a very Yeah, it's very white. So everyone has these wristbands. So they think that this guy has the John Lark wristband. And they're going to go and take him out to get information from him. He's a very slow hand washer. <laughs> this guy. Uh, and a, a a typically PG-13 fight ensues where there's a lot of punching and kicking and stuff, but no blood. Why is the one wall literally just a mirror? Oh, when he gets thrown through it? I have no idea. Yeah, why? That makes no sense. Yeah. Like, mirrors are not attached. From a structural standpoint, that makes no sense. There's a wall there. Yeah. Well, there has to be, because there's plumbing behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't understand. I, I could do without the homophobic scene. Yep. Where they're in, they, they knock the guy out and take him into a stall, and these other idiots come in, and they're like, oh, look, there's three men in a so, stall. I didn't actually read it as homophobic. Not homophobic, I guess not. It's just they're they're teasing these guys. Yeah, like I don't. Th- yeah, I don't see them being like, uh, is, you know, like necessarily. Yeah, that's not the, that's not the yeah. right word for me. I, I I take that back. It's not the just right word. Drunk people. Just t- they do think dicks. that people are going at it in that stall yeah. and they're being assholes. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't view it as homophobic. I just view it as drunk assholes. Yeah, and they're French. Yeah. So I guess. That's a that's a little better. Yeah, I, I, I take that back. That's not really what this is, but it, it I still don't really. I mean, it, what it is is to delay them so that this guy wakes up. Yes. And then we have this brutal fight. Yeah. Like he rips the pipe out of the wall. That That's there's some neat stuff they do with the pipe where he like mm-hmm. flips people around and everything. This is where Henry Cavill starts to look like a bit like a cartoon character where he just takes his jacket off and is just beyond ripped. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> right, because as we mentioned, he was also filming Justice League around the right. same time, so he was ripped yeah. to look like Superman at this point. But also, it's just a, this is just a thing that like male actors now all have to be mm-hmm. ridiculously in shape. Yeah, like imagine Roger Moore <laughs> in, in, in one of these roles. There would be a lot of oof going on. <laughs> Yes. And, and yeah, and things yeah. things are looking bad for our heroes and then all of a sudden the the guy gets shot. Yeah, cuz Ilsa Fausch shows up. It, yes. Very good coincidence there. I do like I need a face to make a mask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to back up because I I mentioned what meant to mention a line that happened way earlier than this when they're in the plane where Tom Cruise is explaining that there's a guidance system in your helmet and you have to open your chute when it tells you to and not before and not after. And he says, is that clear? And Henry Cavill says crystal, which has to be a direct reference from a few good men because at one during the trial scene, Mm -hmm. um, that's a line that Jack Nicholson says back to him when he says, are we clear? And he says crystal. So that, that has to be a thing. Yes. But I like, I mean, I'm happy to see Rebecca Ferguson come back. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can you make a mask? I need a face. I, I also like when the people when the other people come in the, the to the bathroom to like chase them out. Tom Cruise just is like, you want some, too? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Cruise's whole plan here is to pretend to be the guy and hope that this white widow has never met met him before. And I like Henry Cavill says hope is not a strategy. And Ilsa says, you must be new. Yeah, like this is <laughs> this is just par for the course, really. Yeah. And there's a great little bit of line reading from Tom Cruise where he's trying to get uh, Ilsa to explain to like, why are you here? And and she says, you don't know what you're involved. You don't understand what you're involved in. And he says, I don't understand what I'm involved in. I don't understand what I'm involved in. And he's like. What am I involved in? <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> just just the way he says it is great. Yeah. What are you doing? I had a date with White Widow. He had a date with the Widow. You look nothing like him. Now, we have to hope they never met. Hope is not a strategy. Oh, you must be new. I have no other choice. White Widow's our only lead. I've got to be this guy for five minutes. Don't do it. What? What is it? What aren't you telling me? You don't understand what you're involved in. I don't understand what I'm involved in. I don't understand what I'm involved in. What am I involved in? Yeah, so now he goes to meet the White Widow, mm-hmm. whom we find out is the daughter of the villain from the first movie. Yeah. It's a nice little reference there to Max. Yeah. Like, I have to admit, when I saw him in the theater, that went over my head because I oh, hadn't yeah. watched the first movie in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was only at, it was after I saw this in the theater. Then, like, I went back and rewatched the whole series. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is also the scene that was shot by the guy that did Spectre. Yes, very. <laughs> Michael Bay look to it. Yeah, yeah, very. So there's a moment, and this threw me multiple times, even though I even after the first time I'd seen it again and I knew this wasn't the case, there's a guy who's watching them in Mm -hmm. the crowd. Yes. Who looks just like Solomon Lane. 
And, a little bit. Er, and I kept thinking it was him at first, and I'm like, no, that's not him. But just with the beard. I was yeah, like, like, he kind of looks like, like Solomon Lane. I can see that. And I don't understand what's going on here, because does she just have very bad security? Like, wh- how do all these people get in there that are suddenly trying to kill her? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> and who are they, and why are they there? Other yeah, than but to it get works her really to... well for her to start to trust Tom Cruise, though. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why. Right, well, that's why plot-wise, but mm-hmm. how, if, like, in-universe, how did this happen? Yeah, I think Vanessa Kirby's good in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I recognized her from The Crown. Yes. Other, I don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than that that I've recognized her from other than this. But yeah, fights ensue. Turns out she's, uh, she's quite capable of defending herself, too, because she has that... I forget the type, what you call that type of knife that you can flip open like that. It's not a switchblade, but. No, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, they, yes, they are both quite capable. Yep. Oh, what is that called? It has yeah. a name. It does. But they uh, they get out of there and go back to her residence or whatever. And they this is when they recruit because they think Tom Cruise is John Lark and they recruit him to get an asset in exchange for the plutonium cores that are still missing. And of course it turns out that the asset is Solomon Lane, who's in prison and they're going to try to break him out. Yep. And for, for plot reasons. And the plan is to kill a whole bunch of people doing it. Yeah. I like this, um, like fake out sequence where he's kind of imagining what they have planned and involves yes. slaughtering everybody. And he's like, we're not doing that. <laughs> But that's the plan, mm-hmm. which means that he'll have to come up with a new plan. Yeah, I bet he does. Uh, I think he might. Yeah, but here's where. But before that happens, we see uh, Walker meeting with Erica Sloan, Angela Bassett, where he is trying to convince her that Hunt is Solomon Lane. And to a point, he makes sense because he's like, you know, how many times has he been betrayed by his own people, which right. is essentially every movie. <laughs> it does happen a lot. Yeah. And then he gives her the phone. And it took me four viewings of this movie to catch on to the fact that it wasn't the same phone because the screen wasn't broken. Yeah. Which to me, I'm like, I, in my notes, I have that, that that illustrates that the fact that this movie thinks it's too clever, is too clever for its own good sometimes, because I don't mm-hmm. think that's something that anybody registers for a long, like multiple viewing. You have to take multiple viewings to catch that. Right. Because he gives her, he's like, here's the phone we took off of the guy and she turns it over and the screen is perfectly fine. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought of that either. And it wasn't until the very last time I watched this movie, like yesterday, that I noticed <laughs> that. <laughs> Because there's a bit of a, like, in the music, you can hear it go, like, thunk. Like, it's a a reveal. Right. Yeah. No, okay. Unless he took it to, like, you break, I fix, or something, but... <laughs> That's possible. Yeah. Or whatever the French version of that is. Right. So, I feel like we asked this question before, and I think it might have been with Fran Sanchez, because that's what this whole sequence reminds me of, but why didn't they just fly Solomon Lane to where he needed to go? <laughs> because plot. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's regulations about flying that aren't like maybe over the yeah. city or something. Yeah. There's less of a there's less of a paper trail if you drive. Mm-hmm. Like I can see how it would be more secret to drive someone. Sure. Well, it's hard to be secret though when you have a motorcade. Even with a motorcade though, like 
you don't have like you're not filing a flight plan. There's yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but I like how Ethan's um, ad lib here is to just push the truck into the water. Yeah, it worked. Yep. And <laughs> this these sequences of him backing up and going forward with these guys in the truck, and then the door opens and they all fall out the the back and and all that. That was uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And here is where we find... Oh, yeah. Here is also where we find out that Henry Cavill is bad. Oh, we do? Well, we've got the scene with him and Angela Bassett. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, you, you already said that. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Sorry. No, well, we, we start to suspect because he's trying to set up Ethan. Yeah. He's yeah. got to be bad, right? I mean, why would yeah, he Yeah, you think? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this this whole process... I like the chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like how their foolproof escape is foiled by the by the gendarme who happens to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this whole process is good. I like how they send the tracker out on a drone. I think that's cool, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it maybe goes on a little too long. Maybe. I mean, there's there's a really long motorcycle chase. Right. They could probably have cut some of that. Yeah. And. I'm I was reminded a little bit of some of the scenes from the second Matrix movie where he's going against traffic going around, Mm -hmm. you know, the Arc de Triomphe and stuff. At one point, he hits a car and goes flying and there's no way he gets up from that. But he's Ethan Hunt. So, well, yeah, that happens a lot. It also felt a lot to me like this is a motorcycle chase designed to take us on all the scenic landmarks of Paris. Yes. Because I recognized multiple landmarks and I've never been there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I noted I noted that about the crash. Like I have in my notes here. Once again, that crash should have killed him. Yeah. Yeah, right. Benji and Luther have really good timing <laughs> to be under that hole when Ethan got there to cut his way through it. I don't know if I need the scene with the cop, to be honest, because I don't feel that it accomplishes really anything. Yeah, I don't know. I like it, though. I I. I like how they open the door and there's the cop. That that part's a little funny where she's like writing a ticket or something right outside the, the garage door. And I like how, I mean, Ethan probably would have kept the charade going for a while if he if they weren't trying to force him to kill a cop. Yeah. So I like I don't I, I kind of like how this plays out. OK, there's a mysterious person on a motorcycle following them that I can't quite figure out who it would be. Oh, who could it possibly be? <laughs> yeah, I like. I do like the drone, you know, let's get this transponder out of his neck and put it in a drone and fly it away and they go chasing after it. That's that's clever. Yes, I yeah, I like and I also like how they're all just like, what the heck? Yeah, when that <laughs> happens. But yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So now, yeah, they, we're on a chase because we have all the chases and I, I just like how I, and I do enjoy the Solomon Lane. It's just, well, literally along for the ride. Mm hmm. <laughs> And then he meets uh, with the white woman or the white white widow again. And she's upset because there was this woman trying to kill Solomon Lane. And now she wants her as well. I don't get what she's doing because we find out later in the movie that she's working for the CIA. Yes. So what is her plan here? And again, maybe it is spelled out in the movie, but after seeing it four times, it's still not clear to me. And that's part of my problem with this movie. It had something to do with Lark because, right. yeah, she was there to protect Lark. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember either at this point. Like Again, if you just kind of sit back and watch the movie and enjoy it and don't think about it too hard, it's it's an enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. 
but it's when you start trying to put pieces together that it doesn't all fit together for me. And, and maybe that's just me and I'm not the swiftest guy in the world. I don't know. Maybe I've missed something here and there, but no, I no, I'm with you. It's a little confusing to me too, but also that's probably just because it's one of those movies where everybody double crosses everybody else <laughs> at some point And it just doesn't twice, all match yes. up, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, just your run of the mill mission impossible movie. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Ilsa's there because MI6 is making her go and kill Lark or kill uh, Solomon Lane to prove that she's not with him because she was embedded with him for a long time and they don't necessarily trust her. Yep. So that so apparently she was there to protect John Lark because John Lark was going to break Solomon Lane out and then she could kill him. Which okay, fine. That's a little convoluted, but we'll go with it. Yes. No. This all makes sense to me now. Yes. That's. Yeah. That is, yeah. Confession, I did watch this movie again since the last time, but <laughs> it was a few days ago, so now it's... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she does have the... she. There is the the, end of the whole scene where she explains all of this to him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like... They're going to replace Solomon Lane with Benji. Yes, and I like when Lu- when uh, Benji's <laughs> like, why do I have to do it? And Luther just sort of gestures at himself and then Benji. Yep. Yeah, like... <laughs> I think you know why. Uh, <laughs> and oh, yeah, and this is when Alec Baldwin turns up again and acts like he's shutting everything down and going to put a stop to all this nonsense. Yeah. Which, you know, plays like it's a legitimate thing, as though, you know, Angela Bassett has bought what Henry Cavill gave her and they called him in to put a stop to everything. Mm-hmm. And to the point where they. You know, they sneak up behind him and drug him with the little tranquilizer thing because, you know, we're not going to do what you want to do. We're going to do our own thing. And they make the mask of Benji and all this. I'm I don't know how they pull off the switch, though. Yeah, that was well done. However, it was done. Yeah, because but, uh, the yeah, the plan is to go meet the White Widow with Benji pretending to be Solomon Lane. So they get the mask I like the sh- the the shooting or the 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 way that this is shot with they put the mask on and they reverse the the shot and yeah and and all that. I think that they 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 keep coming up with clever ways of doing this mask thing. Yeah, and I and I and I like Baldwin was there to hear the whole thing. Yep. So yeah. And they all leave uh Walker to watch, you know, who they claim is the real Solomon Lane. And this is where L- Walker tells the whole story to because he's an idiot. Yes. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of monologuing, but geez. <laughs> like, in theory, both of these people know this already. Yep. And this is where the PG-13 movie gets its one use of the F word. <laughs> yes. Why did you have to make this so fucking complicated? I don't understand what you mean. The deal was simple. I help you frame hunt. You give me the plutonium. You're wasting time. There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. When I wrote those words, I wasn't referring to your peace or Hunt's suffering. The old world order needs dismantling, and we have the tools to dismantle it. All you seem to care about is that Hunt lives to take the blame. That's not anarchy. That's revenge. And I buy, I buy all of this up until you know, the point where Walker figures it out because I could totally see 
Solomon Lane saying, you know, I just want to mess with Hunt, Hunt some more. I'm not done. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes sense. And I'm not sure if the fake Solomon Lane said something to tip him off or if he just kind of was talking about Halloween masks and stuff that made him think that something was up. Yeah, but it the, the whole thing works well. Yep. And Alec Baldwin heard him say everything. And yep. then uh, Angela Bassett doesn't trust anyone. So once again, Angela Bassett or whoever is in charge is now going to double cross everybody for no reason other than because the plot demands it. Yep. It's so it's so Alec Baldwin can die. Yeah, because Henry Cavill has friends embedded with the CIA team here. Of course he does. Yeah. And the scene where yeah he stabs Alec Baldwin up against the fence is reminiscent of season of season one of oh, the first movie, <laughs> not season one. Yes, and <laughs> season one of Mission Impossible. Uh, but it's oh, reminiscent it, of uh, yeah. the first movie when uh, what's her name dies. Oh, with the fence. Yeah. 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 I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, you're right. And yeah, we get a long shootout here. Alec Baldwin dies. The rest of the goon squad gets killed. Henry Cavill gets away. Henry Cavill gets away and Ethan Hunt goes chasing after him. But not before uh, Luther. Well, Luther puts a tag in both Henry Cavill and in Ethan so they can follow him. Now, this is my favorite chase scene in the movie just because of the Benji because stuff Benji with the tablet. Know about the height. Yes. <laughs> well, first he's like, oh, I ha-, he's telling him to go left. And he's like, oh, wait, I have the, the rotation lock turned on, which, OK. And then he's he says to go across the street and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I have it in 2D. <laughs> it's like, how can he even see the height? How does that even work? I, I don't ask questions. <laughs> but yeah, the GPS should not work. In three GPS does not know height. It, it, no. The, yeah. <laughs> no, it works because it's a joke. Yes. And I think it's a it's a joke that works for me. Yeah, it does. I enjoy that part. He's like, but and I like you know he goes. I'm into, jumping out a window. He's like, what do you mean you? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> and earlier when they're in and the church, just good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And earlier he sums into that funeral in the in the the cathedral and then he goes up the stairs the spiral stairs and he's like why is he running in circles <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he eventually catches up with henry cavill and uh <laughs> henry cavill goes up in that old tiny elevator with the mesh floor just so that and, he can show the picture of and, his wife well and tom cruise like grabs the end and then looks up and henry cavill's just looking at him and you know he can't shoot him because he needs the the plutonium still and then he puts the photo he's he puts the photograph of his wife, which would have been a wonderful reveal had Michelle Monaghan's name not been in the credits. <laughs> well, we saw her in the very beginning. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, we, maybe we. Yeah, I guess. But we saw her in other things in the credits. But because I mean, we haven't really seen her since the very end of Mission Impossible 4. She wasn't in the last movie at all. Right. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent reveal, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, her. So now they have to figure out where they're going to be going. Where they're going to be going and how to turn off a bomb that they don't think they can stop the countdown once it's turned on. Thankfully, uh, they, they do have the tracker. Yep. We get a scene for the benefit of the audience where uh, Luther has to explain to Ilsa about his wife. <laughs> yes. And they do show us exactly where in the world Kashmir is. Yeah. Which works, because I 
I know the song. I feel like even fewer at people would know where Kashmir was compared yeah. to Belfast. Yes. Oh, and they revealed that when they took out the tracker from Lane, they also put a new one in that had a time delay on it. Yes. So, and then Benji figures out how to turn off the bomb, but you have to cut both your sever of the wires on both bombs at the same time after you take the detonator pin out after the countdown starts. <laughs> Which is okay. We'll go for that. Yeah, yeah, because they are now in. They are now driving in an area where the sun beats down upon their face. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, how often can you make that joke? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, we see Lane setting up the bomb in a in a house, mm-hmm. and they find an aid camp with yeah. medical supplies so all sorts of radioactive things that'll mess up their scanners Be- because of the Chekhov smallpox outbreak indeed and hey look it's his wife mm-hmm. <laughs> who saw that coming yeah she's there and her husband's there too how exciting very casual about everything yeah yeah, and seems like a decent person, which is, you know, annoying yeah. because obviously we're supposed to we're supposed to hate him. Right. I like, you know, he says, oh, I was in Tartuk, which was, I guess, nearby. And and he's like, oh, were you there for business? And his wife said, no, he was on vacation. And then Ethan says, no, I'm working. And just the way her face changes, like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I'm 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 working right now. I'm I'm here working. Yep. And, you know, he he apologizes to her and all that stuff and then goes running away to try to find this bomb. The one they find the one up on this tower pretty easily. But they got to find the other. They got to find the other bomb because you got to take care of both. In the meantime, Tom Cruise is going after the detonator, which is going up in a helicopter. It is. And thankfully, there's two helicopters. Yes. And just very luckily, this is the one that has the giant rope hanging underneath it because I don't know what they're carrying, but... I don't know what they're carrying either. <laughs> and you'd think they wouldn't want to carry it so far down below the helicopter either. But yeah, but this is how Tom Cruise can get into the helicopter. Right. And even this, I don't mind too much. It's it's when we have the the dogfight with the helicopters that I start to get a little. <laughs> yeah, like, this, this is not real anymore. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Carl, but the whole movie is fiction. I know. So, okay, let's talk about this a little bit, because he's chasing Henry Cavill to get the detonator because he has to take the pin thing out of the detonator as part of this three pronged disarming process. Mm -hmm. He then decides I'm going to drop whatever payload I have on this helicopter, presumably to knock it down. Like, how are you going to get the detonator if you do that? It's an excellent question. (laughs) I mean, luckily he misses. Yes. But, and also luckily physics don't exist anymore in this movie. <laughs> uh, Julia has shown up and starts to help Luther disarm the bomb, which is good because it gives her something to do. <laughs> I love the the scene where, you know, he drops the payload and misses the helicopter and then Henry Cavill's helicopter goes up and he just looks across the thing at him and Tom Cruise is like, yeah, you see me. That's right, you, you jerk or whatever. And Henry Cavill just makes a face like, all right, and turns around, and takes his giant machine gun out from behind him and starts shooting at him. <laughs> yes. All right, whatever. Well, yeah, now we have some yeah. helicopter acrobatics. Not quite as unbelievable as the ones at the beginning of Spectre, but like, I don't think any of these helicopters invert. How about the beginning of Fur- For Your Eyes? There's Open? no uh, 
delicatessen in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Stainless steel or otherwise. <laughs> Ilsa's found the bomb in the little shack or house or whatever. But she's also found Lane. This, I mean, so you get this ludicrous stuff with the helicopter and then these rather brutal fight here between with Benji and Ilsa and Solomon. I mean, yeah, Benji's getting hanged here the whole time. Yeah, and it keep, I, I, I do like how it yeah. keeps cutting back mm-hmm. and forth between the. Yeah. The different fights. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a very brutal fight. Um, I mean, as brutal as a PG-13 fight can get, I guess. But yeah, I like the juxtaposition of her strangling. Lane yeah. While Benji is. Mm-hmm. is hanging there and she cuts Benji down. And meanwhile, back on the cliffs, the helicopter oh, crash. <laughs> <laughs> they, they die like four times in this climax of the movie. <laughs> oh, God, like, yes. And at some point. Henry Cavill gets sprayed in the face with something that I guess is just hot hydraulic fuel, hydraulic liquid or something, because I guess he has to get a scar on his face for the very end of the movie for reasons. Yeah, like the scar would matter more if like he didn't die, because then he would come back the next movie all scarred and ready to, you know, fight. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure based on what happens, he dies. (laughs) I yeah. Yeah, I think he dies. Uh, I know Zola is coming back in the next movie, but I don't think no. this guy is because we get Chekhov's hook multiple times. Yes. Yeah, like, I mean, they crash into each other and they crash, then they land on the glacier and then they fall down a crevasse and then they both get knocked out of the helicopter onto this large version of the cliff at the end of Star Trek 3. Well, you know why you see Chekhov's hook multiple times is because the hook will bring you back. <laughs> I ain't telling you no less. I don't know why I'm I, feeling yeah, musical I lyrics, yeah. music lyrics tonight, but... <laughs> mm, yeah. Song lyrics. Music yeah, lyrics music lyrics. Thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and now, yes, we all come down to... They haven't heard from Ethan. They don't know if it's safe to cut the wires, but they're going to cut what it. What else are they going to do? They're going to they're going to die. If they don't cut it, they're going to die. So they might as well. And of course, Ethan pressed the button at or, or did the thing at exactly the right time. Editorially, I think it's a little too cute to do the fade to white when they cut the wires. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I agree. Oh, yeah. But Henry Cavill gets the checkouts hooked to the head as the. The whole thing goes down the cliff. I think he's dead. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Cruise wakes up in the hosp in the hospital bit, uh, tent with uh, his wife's husband treating him. Yeah, that's not awkward. <laughs> but Angela Bassett has shown up and is now on their side because she's basically the Alec Baldwin of this movie, even though Alec Baldwin was in the movie. Yep. And Solomon Lane is apparently still alive. Yeah, I the fir- I mean I saw it once or twice and then I saw it again recently and like i still thought he was dead yeah i mean i think they're all going to be better off if he had been dead but uh yeah but he's got to come back for the third for the next movie and yeah they hand over solomon lane to the white widow because why not they've got an ongoing agreement whatever that means or whatever that (laughs) means maybe we'll find out when the next movie comes out that we will i mean i think vanessa kirby's in the next movie right yeah i think so and we get our little you know how close were we and about the usual and they laugh and Tom Cruise is like don't make me laugh because he has broken ribs and that's the end of the movie yes Vanessa Kirby is in it and so is Carrie Elwes is in it yep okay and uh Hilly Atwell and Vanessa Kirby's henchman Zola 
I don't What's know her brother? the name, but brother. Mm-hmm. Well, he's store henchman, basically. <laughs> he's in it. He may be her brother, but he's Frederick Schmidt is the actor. He's he may be her brother, but he's also her henchman. Let's be honest. Yes. There are a lot of people in this movie. Indira Varma. Yeah. Haley Atwell. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. I guess we knew <laughs> that. <laughs> Indira Varma. She's what's her name from Game of Thrones, right? Yes. Yeah. The one who really liked Pedro Pascal for a couple episodes until he got his head yeah. blown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was. She's been in a bunch of things. Yeah. Though. Uh, like I think I first saw her in Torchwood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The first episode of Torchwood, where she turned out to be a bad guy that was betraying them. Yep. Or bad gal. That bad gal. <laughs> it's a bad term. What's the gender neutral bad guy? Um. Bad, bad person. Bad person just doesn't have the set right <laughs> no, brain right? to it. Villain. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that's this movie. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. And you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. We will get uh, Mission Impossible 7 next year. Mm-hmm. Possibly so, before this podcast comes in- out. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's entirely possible that next episode will be Mission Impossible 7. And if not... Oh, well. If not, your guess is as good as ours. (laughs) I don't even... Yeah, I have no idea what the next... (laughs) We'll figure it out. (laughs) We'll watch something after this. Yes, we will watch something. Never fear. Yes. (laughs) We should just go to the standard License to Spiel will return. Ah, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, License to Spiel will return.